most typically on Pentecost, I like to point out the huge difference that there is between the days in which the apostles lived after Jesus' ascension into heaven, still boarded in the upper room, uh, hiding, full of fear, and what happens on Pentecost <coughs> when they break forth from that room and they begin the apostolic age, what's often known as the apostolic age, the age in which the gospel is first announced across the face of the earth. And we've read in the past weeks the extraordinary and beautiful story as we've gone page through page through the Acts of the Apostles at the Daily Mass, reading the adventures of those first years. Um, this is all born today. Uh, this is the birthday of the church, as we've often commented also. The church finds her birthday not at Christmas, not at Easter, but at Pentecost, the day in which the Holy Spirit came upon the apostles and the fear of those 12 in the upper room with a few of their friends was completely vanquished and beaten uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus, the continuation of the mission of Jesus continue, began in the world. It began in the world through this, in this new form that it takes even to our time, which is through the ministry of the church, right away from those, the opening of those doors of the upper room after the Holy Spirit came, the church begins her action and the church continues her action to this day, gathering us together, uniting us. Look at us all here, gathered around the altar. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. This is the life of the church. And this is the way in which, from Pentecost on, Jesus remains present with us in the world to be here for us. Now, I would like to just add a few considerations to these general considerations that we always make on Pentecost. And I'd like to link this just for a moment with you to this little prayer, which you many, almost all of you at this stage, at least you, you kind of know it, many of you may know it by heart, uh, because we've said it from the beginning of Lent, and today is the last day we'll say it all together here as a community, because that's what the bishop asked for. Uh, but it is a prayer that's worth keeping in consideration. And it's worth, I want to share with you this morning, just for a few moments, from what heart this prayer was born. Well, it's called the Archbishop's Prayer. And here's the thing, the Archbishop, our Archbishop, Archbishop Samuel Aquila, uh, who was here just last week to do the graduation mass for the um, for Holy Family and has been in our church many times and is our leader and shepherd, the chief shepherd of the church in our time. He, listening to Pope Francis um, and other uh, authors of the time, uh, has become profoundly persuaded that we, are, we have to begin to look at the world in which we live today much more like an apostolic age again, rather than like what they like to call Christendom. So we have to move from Christendom, which is a world in which Christianity is everywhere. And you know, maybe in the 1950s, that's the way this country was. Certainly in Europe before the great wars, this was the way uh, Europe was. Everything was a reference to Christ. And everyone lived in a world, maybe, not, maybe people didn't talk about Jesus all the time, but he was the ultimate reference point for both society and for individual lives. 
that world is gone. And this is the realization that brought the, our bishop to launch this prayer and the initiative of which it is a part, which we often call the discipleship initiative. The discipleship initiative is exactly what it says in this prayer. It says, um, the, Holy, the Holy Spirit will stir into flame our local church, boldly focused on mission and, a, and committed to announcing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then we pray this little prayer all together, this prayer asking the Holy Spirit to come and enkindle in our hearts his love and that through that enkindling of his love, the world may see uh, and recognize God, recognize his son, Jesus Christ, uh, and live this life in the spirit. So the opening prayer of the mass said it also. Listen to this, what the opening prayer in the mass said. It said, um, with the divine grace uh, that was at work when the gospel was first proclaimed, Fill now once more the hearts of believers through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns forever and ever. In other words, we're asking that just as it was when those doors were thrown open from the upper room on Pentecost and the apostles went out onto the street corners and started to announce the gospel to the whole world. We're asking that the liturgy of the church always asks that this same Spirit, this same work of the Spirit may quicken in us and that we may become more courageous in sharing our faith, more courageous in living our faith, more courageous in modeling our faith, more, more, courageous, in, more courageous in Christ to be truly alive and truly human. This is the prayer for the Holy Spirit and this is the prayer of every Advent you could call the Bishop's Discipleship Initiative a moment of awareness within the history of the church, of all of the history of the church, because this is not new. This is what has fed and made the church live these past 2,000 years and continues to live it today. And we are asking and begging the Holy Spirit that in this age, in this age in which Christ is no longer the reference so often Christ, in fact, is even uh, condemned and put in the dock for being in the wrong side of history today. Um, we're asking the Holy Spirit to come and enable us to live in a new apostolic age, not counting on the fact that there's a kind of a, a base level Christianity that sustains us all, and all we have to do is just stay in that, but realizing that a time is here in which we have to, uh, that, 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 that the work of faith has to become something that, uh, of a personal conviction. We have to move, as a good friend of mine once said, we have to move from a logic of a group, from the logic of a community, to the logic of personal conviction. Because it's that personal conviction that re-enlivens the community. The community can't hold us. The community can't hold us unless the community is made of those who are saying yes to Christ. That's the community of the church. That's the community that burst forth from the upper room and began the great first evangelization, the announcing of the gospel to the whole world. On that morning, all the people heard uh, 
the apostles speak in their own language, which is an extraordinary miracle if you think about it, because uh, the apostles were only speaking once, but each person heard their own language. But this was a powerful sign of the destination of the gospel, which is for everyone, everyone. In this sense, the church has been more profoundly egalitarian, inclusive from its very foundation than any institution that claims that mantle today. We are profoundly inclusive because we know that the gospel that we live and preach and treasure is destined for every single human being without any, uh, without any limitations that can be set by any boundaries of type, class, or any other uh, boundaries that we might like to create in the world. No, the gospel is made for the heart of every human being. And as the Lord himself said, he, he has come to cast a fire upon the earth and how he wishes and longs that it be burning already. My friends, our little prayer that we've said these past few months is a prayer for exactly this, a prayer that that flame that Jesus came to light upon the earth may burn in our age as it has in other ages. Each age presents its problems to the church. The problem of our age today is a certain secularism and a, a, a looking for, in, in some ways it's the first age that's really looked for a world without religion. Um, but we find again and again that it reimposes its values in a sort of a quasi-religion. That's our time. This is our time. And this is the time in which we were created by God to live. And we live in this age, in this age. And it is our task given to us by God to learn to live in this age and to be witnesses to him, witnesses to the gospel, and to allow his light to shine on the world and to save the world from those dead ends that the world continues to try to open up as possibilities to find hope and life. We know that all hope is in him. Um, let us ask that we may truly, uh, that, that what happened here, what would we prayed for in the collect, that as when the gospel was first announced, we may now uh, be inspired to announce it. The collect of the mass, the prayer, the gospel, all of them witness to the same thing. The Lord, the, the Holy Spirit comes so that the Lord may be known. And this is the life, the vocation, the nature, and the identity of the church. Let us live this reality of church.